Idleman Unplugged is part of the Edify Podcast Network. I want to see your face Pass me by the crowds of people The priests who sing your praise Hello, my name is Shane Idleman, and I'm the pastor of Westside Christian Fellowship in Leona Valley, California. It is my personal heart and goal for you to see truth through a biblical perspective. I hope that you enjoy this segment of Idleman Unplugged. Chapter 4, The Fully Surrendered Life. J.C. Ryle once said that holiness will cost a man his sins. He must willing be willing to give up every habit and practice that is wrong in God's sight. There must be no separate truce with any special sin which he loves. I received the following correspondence from a man who described his life before he fully surrendered to Christ. And again, we're talking about the fully surrendered life here in chapter four. He said, I had become someone I never thought I would become. I was in complete darkness. I would sleep in my clothes for as long as I could. I began wishing that I would die. The emotional pain was unbearable. Experts say that thousands of churches close every year in America and thousands of people leave the church every week, largely because church is boring and irrelevant, so they say. Many churches are boring and irrelevant because the power of God has vanished from the pulpit as well as the pew. And like Samson, they do not know that the Spirit of the Lord has departed from them. Cross-reference Judges 16.20. Now, I don't believe that the Holy Spirit comes and then leaves. Uh, Now, in the New Testament church, we actually quench and grieve the Holy Spirit. So we have all of the Holy Spirit, but the question is, does He have all of you? And we quench and grieve him through sin, through critical hearts, uh, besetting sin, unrepentant sin, unforgiveness. And, uh, and like Samson, we know not that the Spirit of the Lord has departed from us if we continue down this destructive path of not surrendering our lives completely to God. But there is hope if we once again seek God. The biggest breakthrough I've ever experienced was when I fully surrendered my life to God. Full surrender leads to true peace fulfillment, and joy. Now think about this for a minute. Full surrender. What's the opposite of full surrender? Partial surrender, half obedience, and see that never works in God's kingdom. It's full surrender. Again, I didn't say perfect surrender, perfect living, perfect and complete holiness. I said surrender, giving up the finances, the marriage, the the parenting, the career, everything. Lord, I give you everything because I want you to fill me with your spirit and use me in profound and powerful ways. And so that was the biggest breakthrough I think I've ever had. And I think it's the biggest need in the church today is to fully surrender because it leads to peace and fulfillment and joy. Now, this doesn't mean that you will never struggle again. As a matter of fact, we sometimes struggle even more in that fully surrendered life, but it does mean that there is hope for the journey. I vividly remember a radio interview I once did. One of the callers said that he was afraid of fully surrender. And I asked him, why in the world would you be afraid of fully surrendering your life? And I even said, I think the exact words were, I'm more afraid of not surrendering my life. What does full surrender look like? Well, a picture of a one-year-old raising up their arms to their loving parents to carry them, provide for them, to love them, and to protect them is a good image of that. In today's culture, though, countless things entice us away from a fully surrendered life. And the enemy's schemes are designed to derail us. It is my firm, firm, firm belief that second only to salvation, the fully surrendered life is the most important aspect of the Christian life. And if you look back in books 
uh, from former, well, not former Christians, but Christians that have died and gone before us, I should say, they talk about the fully surrendered life, uh, the anointed life, the broken life, uh, being, being, uh, filled mightily with the spirit, the unction, the endowment of power. And D. Martin Lloyd Jones, incredible book, Preachers and Preaching, he dedicates a whole chapter, the last chapter, on the unction of the spirit and how it's desperately needed in our preaching today. And the fully surrendered life, you know, it does involve humility and dying to self. It involves, you know, vibrant prayer and heartfelt worship. And that's why God tells us, you will seek me when you find me, when you search for me with all of your heart. It's the all of your heart thing that, that has to take place, Jeremiah 29, 13. And I've given this example many times at our church when I preach, but that word um, seeking uh, in the Hebrew, if you look it up, bakash. And I love the word because it means uh, not giving up until I find it. So imagine losing your child at a, the fairgrounds or a crowded mall or some event and they're gone. Would you go, would you go get a snack real quick? Would you maybe use the restroom? Would you, you know, well, I got to get some things done. Then I'll go look for them. No, they, that, that finding that child would be an all consuming pursuit. And so now parallel that with God. Many people say, well, you know, I'll get to him later today. I've got things to do. I've got errands to run. And he's not the pursuit of their life. Again, I'm not saying you don't have to work and, and put priorities, some priorities uh, ahead of that seeking during certain seasons of your life. But even in that pursuit of other things, in that you're still glorifying and honoring God. So it, 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 it speaks volumes as to the character of your commitment. The fully surrendered life, as I said before, it involves humility and dying to self. Things the average Christ, Christian isn't willing to do. And now this isn't meant to discourage you, but to convict you and to convince you that surrendering your life is a wonderful gift from God. God uses conviction to turn our, our hearts back to him. So this, this topic might be a little convicting, but the whole point is to get full surrender, actually to fuel full surrender to take place in your own life. You know, many know about Second Chronicles 7, 14, you know, the famous verse, if my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. Um, but they, they don't really apply it. It's, it's one thing to say it, but remember the power comes in the application of God's word, not just in the reading of God's word. God's call is not to Hollywood, but to Washington. <laughs> I want to catch you there. God's call is not to Hollywood or to Washington or even to the media. His call is to us. This is critical in understanding this fully surrendered life. And especially if you're caught in any kind of addiction, uh, this is so important. In other words, if my people turn back to me, God says, I will heal and restore. So this is so important when dealing with addiction, returning back to God. Now, some might say, well, this verse is for the nation of Israel back under the reign of Solomon. You know, when I bring pestilence and famine and drought, you know, if my people, which is true, contextually, that is true. But the overlapping principle of seeking God and praying and fasting and repenting also applies to us today. There's just no way around that one. To seek in the context of Second Chronicles 7.14, like I just said earlier, is to find what is missing. If Israel drifted from God, they were to return to him by seeking him and repenting. The same principle applies to us today. The Hebrew word, again, bakash, has a very strong meaning, and it means finding something. Or, I'm sorry, it means looking for something until you find it. Where would your energy be concentrated if God was lost, uh, like your child being lost? Of course, that's not going to happen, but think about the energy that expended. 
Now parallel that with how we should be seeking God. Is it a disease? Is it a disease? Let's be honest. How many of us can truly say, like Jeremiah, his word was in my heart like a burning fire. It shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it back, and I cannot. Jeremiah 29. How many of us have actually experienced Jesus' words in John 7, 38? He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Who can say, like the people in the book of Acts, that times of refreshing have come from the presence of the Lord, Acts 3.19. Many have head knowledge, like I talked about in the previous chapter, but they never have truly experienced the power and presence of God. Again, it's often because they have not fully surrendered their life, as illustrated in this famous line of a poem by Wilbur Reese. I'll actually read a few lines. Wilbur Reese wrote, I would like to buy just $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I would like to buy just $3 worth of God, please. Boy, this is right on target and very true. How long will we waver? The same question went out in 1 Kings 18. How long will we waver between two opinions? If God is God, follow him. Sadly, many believe that they have a disease that cannot be overcome. I hear this a lot. And mislabeling addiction, it hurts us. It doesn't help us. Many years ago, addicts were often viewed as bad people. And because of this, professionals and physicians fought to redefine the public's perception of addiction. Their intentions, like many today, may have been good, but calling addiction a disease is not wise because it often leads to blame shifting. So if I have this disease, then I'm, then that means I'm not responsible for it. I I have this disease. And, um, when you, when you fail to take, you know, responsibility for your choices, it's hard to really get help. And I remember hearing something, uh, read on the radio years ago and I found it. I look, I don't know who the author was. Um, but they wrote this about alcoholism. If it's a disease, it's the only disease without germs or virus. If it's a disease, it's the only disease that is self-inflicted. If it is a disease, it is the only disease contracted by the act of the will. And if this is upsetting you right now, this is a good indication that you need to repent and, and, and stop blame shifting and take full responsibility for your actions. Yes, we might be predispositioned to something, but it is not a disease that we cannot control. If it's a disease, he goes on to say, it's the only disease that is bottled and sold over the counter for profit. If it's a disease, it's the only disease that takes thousands of outlets in every town and city to spread it. If it's a disease, it's the only disease that will cause a father to go home, grab his baby by the legs, and shake him violently. If it's a disease, it's the only disease that will cause a mother to desert her children. If it's a disease, it's the only disease that will take clothes from their backs and shoes from their feet and bread from their table. If it's a disease, then it's the only disease that will keep one out of heaven and send that soul to hell. That, sir, is not a disease. It's an addiction called sin. Wow, but true. Please don't misunderstand. I'm aware that brain chemistry changes occur when addiction takes place. 
As stated before, we cannot just tell someone to get over it and move on without offering them a plan and giving them hope. But true freedom is found in taking responsibility, removing excuses, and asking God for help. You have to want it. You have to want it. I've had enough. I'm filing for divorce. You will never change, yelled the once loving spouse as the door slammed behind her. Sadly, this scenario happens all too often. Change is difficult, but we risk endless difficulties and often tragedies if we don't change. Change requires self-examination. It requires grace. Uh, it requires responsibility, humility, discipline, and obedience. Character qualities that often run countercultural. We have enough books and sermons on change to fill our countless libraries. Our problem isn't with how to, it's with want to. I have to want to do this. I vividly remember a men's conference where I spoke on the dangers of pornography. A man approached me afterward with tear-filled eyes and said, My wife is leaving me because of porn. This conference is my last chance. After talking and praying, we isolated that the desire was being fed primarily through TV and the programming that TV uh, uh, propagates and sends out, including a prominent sports channel. Explicit commercials, cheerleaders, and other graphic images often would spark his lust. I told him, in addition to repentance, accountability, transparency, all the things you know we know to do, you need to remove that television and disconnect the internet for a season. Show your wife that you're serious and that you love the marriage more than this so-called pleasure. His words were shocking and alarming. He said, I can't do that. I'm a sports fanatic. Surprised and disappointed, I asked, how badly do you want it? How badly do you want a healthy marriage and a vibrant relationship with the Lord? How badly do you want the abundant life that Christ spoke of? How badly do you want to be a godly role model to your kids? Obviously, not badly enough. And I ask the same question to you today. How badly do you want change? It all starts here. You must be desperate for change. It may sound simplistic, but it's true. Lies, excuses, and deception must be exchanged with honesty, responsibility, and transparency. God may use your periods of flirting with addiction to reveal blind spots. So don't downplay the grip it has on you. If anything, play it up. A hard heart only opens the door for deeper bondage. Humbling yourself is essential. Ask yourself, would I continue this destructive habit if I never got caught? If the answer is yes, then you have not humbled yourself and fully repented. Ask God for deep brokenness and dependence on him. And ask a solid believer to pray with you and to help hold you accountable. It's, it's humbling. It's very humbling to tell a spouse or close friend to pray for us because we have a struggle, and we are struggling with addiction, but it brings tremendous peace and exposes our sinful desires. The light will always be conquering the darkness, and it always has conquered the darkness. Once sin is exposed through confession and repentance, it brings light and transparency. It brings a sense of freedom. In short, expose the sin before it exposes you. Unfortunately, many people try to fight in temptation on their own. Again, the door of temptation, as I said in the last chapter, swings both ways. You can enter or you can exit. Do you recall the pain of the young man in the opening paragraph of this chapter? Do you remember what he said? 
he said that he was in pain and, and he was, you know, uh, depressed and, and he just, he was just going through a terrible time. But here's what he said after he fully surrendered his life to Christ. He wrote the following, I only wish that everyone could feel the love that I have experienced. I'm able to forgive others and genuinely love them. I feel like I have been reborn. Elusive peace has now been found. And that is the power of fully surrendering your life, especially on this topic of addiction. Though the road ahead may be uncertain at times, the solid ground beneath will never shift. It's all about who you know. Desperate for more of God, can be the heart cry that sets us free. He is our only hope. So for further discussion or to take it further for additional help, I want to remind you that we're also recording this on Vimeo, YouTube, Rumble, so you can go to my page or the church page channel, I should say, and you can find this uh, chapter and you can send it to friends and family. You can watch me reading it um, in addition to the audible version. But there's a sermon I preach entitled, or titled, I should say, A Spirit-Drenching Experience. A Spirit-Drenching Experience. And there's another sermon that might help you. The title is True Revival Has a Cost. Another sermon titled, Warning, This Sermon Will Offend, is also available on YouTube, Rumble, and, and, and Vimeo in different, in different places um, where you can find these. And actually, what you do is now you're motivated you begin to listen to sermons and read other books that will help fuel this, this fully surrendered life. And once you surrender everything to God, watch what he does. Watch what he does with humility. It's absolutely amazing. Let me just, again, pray with you after this chapter. Lord, I give you the content of this chapter. I pray that people would, would realize what is holding them back, whether it's pride, a critical spirit, arrogance of knowledge of the word of God. They're a modern-day Pharisee. They need to repent and humble themselves. And Lord, even the carnal Christian that has been um, just not living for you, living for themselves, God, that you would humble them and show them that the fully surrendered life, giving you everything, is the only way to go to get through the dire times that lie ahead. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. If you've enjoyed this episode of Idleman Unplugged, be sure to send us your ideas and topics for future episodes of the podcast. You can send us an email at westsidechristianfellowship.org or shaneidleman.com. Thank you for listening to us today, and join us again on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Idleman Unplugged. For more information, visit us at shaneidleman.com. Again, that's shaneidleman.com. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. El Paseo Publications proudly supports the Westside Christian Fellowship Radio Network. We are committed to quality in Christian publication. Free ebooks can be found at westsidechristianfellowship.org under free ebooks. Books such as What Works for Men and What Works for Young Adults will help readers understand that the obstacles ahead are never greater than God's power to take you through. Books such as What Works When Diets Don't and Feasting and Fasting demonstrate how health can be achieved from a biblical perspective. Other free books such as 
answers for a confused church and desperate for more of God show the importance of fully surrendering our lives to Christ. And One Nation Above God is a must-read for anyone concerned about the direction of America. Again, free downloads of these e-books are available at westsidechristianfellowship.org. We are happy about partnering with the Westside Christian Fellowship Radio Network.